on, man. I am Yanata Blue here once again with Michael Darling. Joining us is a man who needs no introduction. Uh, actually, he does. What if we just didn't introduce him? What if we just kept him in limbo for the whole podcast? And I just like interrupt throughout. <laughs> we haven't introduced you yet. Okay. Well, then in that note, uh, would you like to play a game of Mon Mom? Absolutely. <laughs> Mystery oh. guest is my name. <laughs> Since you're going to steamroll over the uh, format, no, Michael okay. Darling. Actually, no. Joining us is Michael Chow, who alongside Kev Kozier is a member of the Three Timers Club. Yeah. So, yeah. You are the Alec Baldwin of this podcast. <laughs> right, because you said uh, Kev is like Steve Martin, I'm Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we once made the joke that Michael Darling's brother was going to end up being the Tony Randall of this show, and now <laughs> it turns out that it's you and Kev competing for that. Like, um, But Chow, thanks for coming on, dude. You're always a lot of fun, and especially oh. because we have some amazing things to talk about in terms of pop culture beyond Pokemon. Sure. That I know we're just going to infuriate Darling with tangents <laughs> this week. I'm scared. Oh, you should be. <laughs> Um, thanks so much for having me. I always have fun on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much. So can we start you off with the usual game of Mon Mom? Absolutely. All right. So listeners, uh, you all should know by now that I'm Mon also Mom, in for this, just to be clear. I'm not going to bother asking anymore because you always say, what if I say no? <laughs> um, so listeners, this is the game where I've sent my mom a picture of one of the Pokemon that we're discussing today. Uh, so today we're going to be going through Pseudowoodo, Politoed. Uh, the Hopip line, which includes Skiploom and Jumpluff and Apom. Uh, so my mom has seen a picture of one of these. She is going to describe it, give it a name, and it'll be up to Michael and Michael to compete and see who can guess the correct Pokemon that she's speaking of. Like a long-forgotten County Central show, Michael and Michael have issues. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michaels, are you ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. Which Michael's going first? Um... I'm going to say that just out of courtesy because of your extreme understanding of my mom's psyche, Michael Darling. I am a Trinidadian woman at heart. Uh, <laughs> Wait. I'm going to roll right I'm going to roll right over that one. <laughs> if you start doing a Trinidadian accent on this podcast, we're going to have we're going to have issues. Hey, remember my Denzel Washington that sounded more whiter than me? That's true. <laughs> It sounded like Dave Chappelle's white anchor voice. <laughs> um, but all right, let's dive in. This Pokemon looks like a Popo boy. I will name it Pop. Okay, so this Pokemon looks like a Pawpaw ball, and she will name it Kass. Oh, boy. So I know you can't reveal too much, but is a Pawpaw ball a Trinidadian it is a Trinidadian confection. Okay. Mm. Uh, it's a dessert in Ooh. Trinidad made with, I believe, so there are variations on it. So there are tamarind balls and there are pawpaw balls. I believe pawpaw balls are made with guava, Ooh. and tamarind balls are made with tamarind. Uh, okay. Um, um, I'm thinking somewhere in the Hopip line, so I'm going to go with Skiploom. I don't know why. Okay. I'm going to go, you said Politoed is an option, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Politoed. He, like, seems like the correct shape. <laughs> the correct shape. I mean, yeah. I, think, I, I can see how the swirl, like, yeah. feels very confection and dessert-ish. Exactly. And it's also, like, a very light shade. But, unfortunately, both of you are wrong. Uh, it is Hopip. You were very close, Wow, Michael. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when I sent my mom the photo, she literally responded with, there is nothing about this thing <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> oh. I mean, in case you guys are wrong. <laughs> in case so, you guys are wondering where I get it from. <laughs> so it's a pawpaw ball? How do we spell that? Um, P-A-W-P-A-W. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a... It's, it's like green or pinkish? Yeah, okay. Let me see that. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a hoppet ball, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you just put like a little color, yeah. little flower yeah. thing, and I think the eyes being like a plain color, which we'll talk about because the facial features on some of these Pokemon are very weird. Mm -hmm. I want to point um, out that on Google, when you search for Pawpaw Ball, you get like you know actual Pawpaw Balls, but then pretty quickly you get like Paw Patrol Balls. Huh. Like yeah. the uh, like the kids show. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, those dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like shout out shout out to friend of the show, Andrew Valdez, who, thanks to his daughter's obsession with Paw Patrol, that's the only reason why I know why Paw, why Paw Patrol is. Who tweeted, like, uh, ACAB including Paw Patrol? That's <laughs> <laughs> just, like, so funny. Wait, what is this? It's uh, ACAB. You're like, uh, all cops are bastards. And it's, oh. like, including Paw Patrol. <laughs> including Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. For me, it's ACAB, except for that one fed on McMillions who is completely insane and hilarious. <laughs> oh, I mean, our boys from Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. Well, they're, not, good, they're <laughs> not real. It's the true. Paw Patrol are real. But <laughs> I, will, I will drag us into the discussion about the first Pokemon by speculating <laughs> that this first Pokemon could probably serve very well as an undercover cop for mm. surveillance. You sure. thought you were going to be the one who was going to cause all the pop culture references. Oh, don't worry. I gotta get you. I gotta get you into a feeling of comfort before I can finally <laughs> scare you. I just want to say about Twin Peaks. Uh, our friend Neil's tweet about uh, how normally he's saying like how you know the uh, you know law enforcement are the arms of an unjust justice system. Mm -hmm. Watching Twin Peaks, the <laughs> the FBI and the sheriff boys are my best friends. <laughs> well, Michael, you know I'm not usually a fan of grass types, but I am a fan of this one today because it's a rock type. Oh my god, is it? Yeah. Tell and me about it. Well, it's the first pure rock type that we encounter in Pokemon. Because everything else has been like rock ground or, in the case of the fossils, rock water, rock flying. So yeah, pure yeah. rock. And also kind of nice that like that first pure rock type is also uh, tied to an in-game event. So I think they might have realized that kind of oversight that there were no pure rock types up until now mm. and made it a special sort of Pokemon for you to catch. Yeah. Um, but for those of us, uh, Chow, did you ever play Gold, Silver? Not really. Like uh, looking at like pictures of uh, Sudowoodo, I mostly know them from uh, Smash because they're like they oh, pop really? up in that one level. Oh, oh. god! Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I don't play Smash, so I'm oh, not. Okay. Are they like a Pokeball type of thing, or are they like no. an environment? It's really type just thing? in the background. There's actually. a there's a fun stage called Pokemon Floats. Okay. Uh, where it's basically like you're on a bunch of balloons that are shaped like Pokemon, and I think Pseudowoodo is one of those. Yeah. In so Smash yeah. Brothers, in the Smash Brothers universe, there is a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade <laughs> that you're crashing yeah. for your battles. Oh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, you fight during an active road race at one point, mm -hmm. several times actually. So do we think the Detective Pikachu finale was a shout out to that level? Honestly, probably actually. Huh. I never thought I about yeah, that. Because, like, either. the whole climactic battle happened amidst, like, all yeah. those floats and stuff I like that. I think that's a little in. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, Poke Floats is more, like, in kind of a vague, like, somewhere above the clouds environment. Mm. But, yeah, I like where your head's at. But yeah. Yeah. It's huh. a Guys, I don't even play me. Smash, and I'm the one making this connection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, what was the reason for the festival in Detective Pikachu? We all saw. I thought it was just, like, a unity anniversary thing. We were all there. Yeah. And saw the Pikachu I liked, together. I don't remember a lot of, to be honest. Yeah. We remember Bill Nye. Remember Bill Nye? <laughs> it's very much going to be the kind of movie that, like, if I turn on HBO now on a Saturday afternoon when yeah. I have nothing else to do and I'm vaguely considering a nap, sure. I'll probably put it on and fall asleep it's to it. It's a good uh, hangover movie. Oh, oh yeah. perfect yeah, Just keep tuning in and out. You'll yeah. see some cute Pokemon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's I a did. perfectly enjoyable movie. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. fun. It's I fun. had a wonderful hangover day to myself a few <laughs> days ago. I did the, uh, I ordered like 
uh, Elodi Fries from Fry Madness a little Ooh, a ways ago. Like, watched both of the Avengers Infinity War movies <laughs> back to back. Superb. So that's five and a half hours of your day right there. Yeah, it was nice. a superb bet, five hours that I was just curled up, like, aching. <laughs> Those were, like, perfect movies I actually just, like, tune in, out, tune in and out of. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, because yeah. they're pretty straightforward. Once you've seen them once, you're not going to miss You know anything. the beats. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's perfect to just, like, open, an eye, like, one eye to <laughs> and just, like, catch, like, the Thor depression yeah. scenes and oh, all yeah. that and then just go right back or to Or be like, oh, hey, it's a 70s sequence. I'll stay for this right now. This is fun. <laughs> Yeah. Nap whenever a Hawkeye's in the, on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, I realized this looking back on Infinity War. I realized this in hindsight. Like, everybody gave shit to the whole Hawkeye sacrificing and Black mm. Widow dying uh-huh. thing. But nobody really noticed the fact that Nebula just straight up knew that one of them was going to have to die for the soul star yeah. and just let them bounce without <laughs> warning them about that. Just yeah. like, all right, you guys enjoy flying through space. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, no, there's a thing. Oh, yeah. uh, I'd like it to, like, just a mid-long sequence of her just going, ah, oh, they'll be fine. They'll figure it out. <laughs> because it's like in Infinity War, when they were trying to yank the gauntlet off of Thanos' wrist, she's the one that pointed out to Star-Lord, like, oh, that's how he got the Soul Stone. Yeah. He went oh, with yeah. Nebula, now he, he went with Gamora, now he's... So sure. she knew the whole, yeah. the whole she knows, thing. Yeah, it is weird. That's a weird choice that they had her be part of this, like, it's broader true. mission. She I mean, brought it up once. She doesn't need to bring it up again. That's on them. That may be why she like <laughs> let the two most underpowered members sure. of the team go. Oh That's just God, like Nebula right. being super uh. lawful. Yeah, she was like, you know what? They're like the worst character. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're literally fighting a cosmic alien force. They are the two least useful. If that Tony seems... Stark had stepped up, she would have been like, whoa, 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 boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up a moment. It's like so funny because they're like, they're two characters like nobody really likes. Like, I, I, think there's they... a f- I think there's affection for Natasha because she's kind okay. of the first lady of those movies. That's true. But yeah, like... I like Hawkeye in the comics, but Hawkeye in the movies, just, no. Yeah. Like, setting aside the Jeremy Renner of it all, although sure. maybe it is because it's Jeremy Renner, mm-hmm. who, uh, fun fact, Jeremy Renner, who also is a terrible person, yeah. just to be clear, yes. uh, his Wi-Fi network at his home is Renpire. This is, now, to How be fair, a friend of a friend lives uh, okay. nearby, sure. uh, but... So I just found pops out. Up on, like, yeah, yeah. So connection. like you know, because they're in Laurel Canyon, <laughs> sure, sure. and so you see all the Wi-Fi networks yeah. directly around you, and one of them is Renpire. That's amazing. And so what get here's the amazing thing. Another friend of mine, her friend, is Renner's IT guy. So oh. he set up as a joke. Renpire is the Wi-Fi name, and Renner was like, "Yeah, I like it." <laughs> That's a certain type of d bag to like <laughs> look at a joke clearly giving you shit. And yeah. Just be like, nope gonna own it <laughs> it's like a terrible pun is like, like, yeah it makes no it sense silly. it makes no sense it's great it's kind of like the running joke in community where chang would change everything to chang yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. speaking of things that aren't actually what they are pseudo wudo did that transition make any sense i don't care nah they're all pretty they're all just to serve a purpose we've crossed the bridge you've made the connection uh, <laughs> but yeah so this, so chow like if you, you played red and blue like this is mm-hmm. this pokemon was very much the second generation version of Snorlax where, oh, it would block, sure. where it was the mechanic that blocked certain paths mm-hmm. until you had a water pail to splash water on it and then it would get angry and attack you. Oh, okay. yeah. um, Which I think I've talked about this when we talked about Snorlax. I love this as a um, blocking method because mm-hmm. it's so organic within the world versus mm-hmm. like, I know in the later game there's one where it's like, 
oh, you can't come through right now. All these Psyducks are here and they're having headaches. <laughs> and it's like, okay, sure. <laughs> it's like, okay, let me just hit them with a thunderbolt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I have ways of taking care of this. Whereas this is an organic thing where it's like, uh, I think a hiker or some other kind of non-playable mm-hmm. character type is just like, huh, the tree seems to be moving or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so you get an item, you spray it with water, and then it's like, meh, and you have to fight it. Yeah. That's a cooler reveal, too, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's more fun. Yeah. It works. It's like the Snorlax thing. It's mm-hmm. organically blocking it. It shows how these Pokemon would be in the world. Right. And then you have to get a thing that'll cause it to get Snorlax out of Snorlax is like, well, he's like napping, right? Yeah. He always is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, overall, so today is another day where I actually really am fan a uh, fan of all the Pokemon today. Mm-hmm. There is no, there's going to be no blue hatred <laughs> on the podcast. Today. This is a blue hate free zone. I thought yeah, maybe Politoed a little bit though. No, actually, believe it or not. Okay. Um, well, mm-hmm. I do have some issues with it, but I wouldn't okay. say I hate it. We'll get there. Um, we'll get there. But yeah, Pseudo Wudo, I just love the design overall. I think the light and uh, plus you add in the fact that like oh. Let's take this idea that it's wood and then to make it petrified wood to make mm-hmm. it a pure rock. Type. Yeah, I think it's just such an gimmick. interesting twist. That's yeah, really clever. Um, mm. So then, yeah. So then you get like this cool. I kind of wish the. I always uh, the one thing that misled me was the fact that the fist bulbs look like boxing have like a boxing glove thing about mm. them. So I always thought it was going to be kind of like a quasi fighting type. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it learns fighting type moves, but either way, I'm a fan. I'm such a fan of the design. Yeah. I just think it's like a unique, goofy twist. Mm-hmm. I think. I like the idea of it being rock fighting. My one note is that it seems a little too goofy looking to be a full fighting type. Because mm-hmm. the fightings are a little bit more, you know, have a tough or have some clear, like, oh, yeah, that one looks like it's a fighter. So you know They're like all fighting. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. It's great. Yeah. It's got, like, a wiggle thing going on. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I just, like, I just, like, imagine that, like, while it's standing there, it's just constantly <laughs> wiggling yeah. at you. But <laughs> well, in Pokemon Go, when you throw a ball and it deflects it, it does kind of a... 360 spin kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like, it's got a little flair and dance to it. But I guess, like, so I guess the other thing is, is, like, it's not, it's in a fixed position. Like, it's not actually able to wiggle in Mm. the game, is it? Like, because I guess if it's rock, it shouldn't be too pliable. Well, I mean, these are moving rocks in this game anyway, Mm. so, I mean, Geodude can flex, so. Touche. Yeah. um, But it does look, like, more rubbery from, like, what I remember in, like, Smash. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, uh, well, again, that was a balloon. But, um, yeah, like, I think... The the non-playable character says something about uh, it being, like, thinking that that tree moved. So I think the implication is that it does wiggle mm. a little. Mm. I yeah. feel like I remember, like, if you went up to it, or, like, if you stayed on the screen long enough, every now and then, like, the game would kind of tease you with, like, the tree doing a little, the tree pseudo-woodo icon doing a little wiggle. Yeah, and it was a unique tree that looked kind of like pseudo-woodo rather mm-hmm. than all of the normal, like, conifers that you see around Pokemon World. Well, it definitely had that, like, weird shading in terms of, like, you could tell this was an interactable object yeah. just, like, the moment it came on the screen. Hmm. Kind of like when you automatically know in, like, any video game, like, oh, that's a breakable wall. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Explaining breakable walls to my dad once was the funniest thing just because I don't know if he was watching me play a game or something or he was just talking to me about game design for some reason or I was rather I was talking to him about it. But just explaining, like, well, if you see a wall and there's a little crack in it, you know, huh, this is important because that's a design element they wouldn't just throw in for fun in a SNES game. Right. Well, I also remember in, like, classic Looney Tunes cartoons and Texarivir cartoons, it became, like, really easy to spot when, like, a wall would explode with a character or something like that because it was a slightly different shade. Oh, yeah. Mm, sure, sure. Than, uh, like, the prefixed background. Yeah, Simpsons writers talk about that on the commentaries for the show. Uh, like, whenever a character is in a scene that wouldn't normally be there, like, if Grandpa's at dinner with the family 
there's probably going to be a grandpa joke that's set up or something. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to have grandpa at dinner with the family any other reason, any yeah. other time. Yeah. So speaking of grandpas, a little bit of lore that also makes me love this Pokemon more and actually makes me think about like the fact that, okay, that little wiggle kind of design that it has is probably like a fixed position because I compared it in the notes to being like bonsai trees because apparently in the lore, this Pokemon is very popular amongst elderly people. Oh, interesting. And so it just automatically harkens to me that like I just associate bonsai with like retirees who yeah. have like the time to be so meticulous about like care for this small tree. Sure. And when you envision a bonsai, doesn't it kind of have that kind of, like, mm -hmm. curve yeah. to the main trunk? Well, its pre-evolved form is bonsly, so... Mm. And we'll get to that in two generations, but... Imagine, like, old people doing, like, tai chi with the pseudo <laughs> I, mean, I mean, honestly, <laughs> that fills me with such joy. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, adorable to think well, about. Uh, <laughs> the Ultra Sun Pokedex talks about, like, several of the Pokedexes mention how it is popular with elderly people. But it says in Ultra Sun, it's popular... Sorry, it's so popular among the elderly that a magazine exists that is just devoted to pseudo wudo. Yeah, that's fantastic <laughs> to me, and I totally—that's <laughs> the best lore. I love that. I totally love it. A good friend of mine, uh, Adriana, who another friend of the show, told me that designed she our logo. Uh, yeah, designed oh. designed the show's logos and uh, nice. and my and optional ironies logo for my personal site. Um, she uh, she has uh of those uh, a Pekingese dog and she joined a Facebook group devoted to Pekingese yeah. fans and she told me that she's like the one person under 50 in this group <laughs> <laughs> so, so Pseudo Wudo magazine is not that far off no so I'm betting there would be like Pseudo Wudo Facebook groups of just like boomers just sharing their favorite Pseudo Wudo <laughs> memes and pictures of them doing Tai Chi together I'm just trying to imagine what Pseudo Wudo magazine is like because let's assume that's a monthly like how many articles can you devote to this Pokemon. That's a whole culture, I'm assuming. Oh, Apparently, I'm sure there are like yeah. different, so, like planning for different social events involving yeah. your pseudo wudo in the winter and the summer. I mean, like if I have gardening like... magazines, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is a rock. This isn't a tree. <laughs> you can't prune. It's this a guy. living rock, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's I'm sure there's. Big. I'm sure in like the real world, there's probably if it were in the real world, like there's all kinds of like care and maintenance for like its bulbs and mm. stuff like that to get like a special sheen out sure. of it. Yeah. Uh, about that. Uh, so the Moon Pokedex says that the larger the green parts of this Pokemon, the more collectors value it. So I have to ask, do people buy and bid on Pokemon? Is Pokemon Uncut Gems about <laughs> Kevin Garnett getting obsessed with a pseudo Wudo? <laughs> I mean, I could honestly see it. I'm trying to, I'm, I love the Uncut Gems reference because then it's just amazing of like Adam Sandler just running around like from New York <laughs> down to Philly, like <laughs> shouting, like... KG, where's my pseudo wudo? <laughs> this one would be like literally magic, is that a thing? Yeah, that's true. Oh, Listeners, God. I'm pretty proud of that off the cuff Adam Sandler yeah, impression. Yeah, Thank good. you. It's not bad. not bad. It's not bad. Um, that's a good Sandman you got there. But, <laughs> um, oh. but I do want What's to point Howard out. What's Howard starter Pokemon? What did Howard start with? Oh, is it a rock type? Uh, I feel like it's like a scumbag Pokemon. Right? <laughs> Actually, I wanted like, to I feel like Squirtle or something. <laughs> I wanted to litigate with this the with uh, yeah. <laughs> That's his boy. I, want, I wanted to litigate this with Kev Kozer, but I'm pretty sure Kevin Garnett has to be some kind of an apparition in the movie. <laughs> Because, like, in the climax, and Michael's heard this rant already. Michael Darling has heard this rant already. But, Chow, I want your take on this because, okay. because you're much smarter than both Michael and I combined. Um, <laughs> Kevin Garnett is in the office for that climactic scene where, like, the, where, you know, he gives this whole speech about, like, whether you want to win by one or you want to win by 30, like, all that sort of thing. And then sure. magically, he's mm -hmm. gone. Like, when he's doing the whole, like, handoff and calling and writing Atlantic City to make the bets and all that sort yeah. of thing. Um, 
you don't see him cross paths with Sandler's brother or anything like that. Granted, it's sure. entirely possible that brother these guys... Brother-in-law, but yeah. Yeah, but it's entirely possible that KG was allowed to pass by these guys. Mm. But that game of the series took place in Boston. Mm. And New York to Boston, even mm-hmm. if you have a plane, uh-huh. is still two solid hours of travel. Yeah, sure. Um, KG was there for the shoot-around. <laughs> he was there for the game and ready to play and sure. crush it. Um in the same amount of time that we saw that. And so, like, and then How also... Far, uh, West Coast here. How far is it from New York to Philly? Uh, it's, like, by dr- like by car. It's four hours each way. Okay. Like, New York is pretty much equidistant between Philly and Boston. So that's the other thing about, like, this driving is that, like, it's also weird that KG would have been in New York City on a game day when his game was in Boston or Philly. Well, sure. but he is there... Like, we know he's there for real mm-hmm. in New York on game, I guess, game one of the final yeah. He's the interacted series. with many of the characters throughout this movie. Yeah, I mean, so then the other thing, but then the other thing about it, is, so, I mean, picture it this way. It would be the equivalent of any of us going to San Francisco for the af- for lunch in the afternoon mm-hmm. to buy jewelry, like, when we had something to be at at, like, 5.30 uh, p.m. I'd say San Diego, because San Francisco, yeah, that's, that's eight hours. That's six hours, I think. Like, six to eight, yeah. Okay, apparently I drive more aggressively than you, because I've made it to and from <laughs> San Francisco in five hours each way. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, but yeah, still, no, you're... I mean, here's the thing. I've... I was talking about the series finale of BoJack with someone a couple weeks ago, and they had a theory, like, oh, well... Spoilers for BoJack, well, he actually died, uh, was what this guy was talking about. And I'm like, but there's nothing really in the text that supports mm. that. There's nothing in the text that suggests Wait, somebody that... somebody thinks that BoJack died in the finale? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know, right? Like, there's nothing in the text that supports the idea no. that KG is an apparition, because that's never come up. I mean, just, yeah. I'm like, just trying to... I'm just I'm, and also the fact that there are playoff games happening on back-to-back nights throughout the movie, which never happens in the NBA playoffs. You gotta allow some uh, movie logic to it, though. It's a movie. Wait, I'm just sh- saying wait, that I kind of like the idea more of KG. I'm not saying that this ruins the movie. I'm actually saying that I like the idea more that he is completely huh. hallucinating well, KG and somehow making these amazing astronomical odds. He bets. does get the money. Yeah, though. that's the key it's, thing. It's that's like a, KG's that's a money point. is what he's using mm. to make that massive bet yeah. at the end. Um, that money has to yeah. exist. That's like the that's crucial to the entire climax. Is it actually like back to back? I could have sworn there was like at least because there's. No, the movie the follows him so closely that everything's literally happening night by night by night mm-hmm. in the movie's con- chronology. There's no like, oh hey, we're just skipping a day. So okay, because I thought there was. The we see game. KG's shitty game. Mm-hmm. We see the auction. Yeah. Which I suppose is the same. Day the auction as is the, the same day okay, as, as yeah, the cause game. Yeah, because it's, it's like game. what three days? How many days does that movie take place in? Uh, there are at least three games played. Yeah. So there's it's at least three and days. And there are no well, more than four, four, four days. And there are no more four than four movie days, which would never happen a playoff schedule. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think they're I think they're squeezing it to make it a more tight narrative. Well, guys, I, I love gonna, this movie. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> re- I'm gonna have to rewatch this just to keep track because they base it so much in the actual games, obviously. Yeah. So they had to have matched the day to day. I mean, I think the main reason, I think the main thing they wanted was for Howie to be a New Yorker, but well, they yeah, could not possibly make a make a movie around the New York Knicks playoffs sure. well, yeah. hopes and not have it be a period piece about the nineties. <laughs> What's interesting is they. I mean, like, this is a period piece about two thousand. Uh, speaking of which, like a, James Dolan, please sell the Knicks. <laughs> Go on. I was gonna say they asked like a few basketball players, like because I know like at one point like Kobe was like uh, supposed to be part of that movie. 
and he dropped out because he like made too many demands. Like he wanted to be like the director of the movie. Like, oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> oh, that I is the a... most Kobe thing. <laughs> so yeah. I'm gonna tell an awful Kobe joke that is not the awful you think it is for the record because right. I'm not that terrible. Go on. Uh, so there's a story that was in ESPN the magazine about uh, Rob Palenka, the GM of the Lakers, who used to be Kobe's agent. And so he was giving this whole speech to the whole Laker organization about, like, you know, being loyal and, you know, all that usual sports bullshit. Mm. And he was saying about how Kobe, after seeing The Dark Knight, asked to have dinner with Heath Ledger just to talk about how to be so intense and everything. And so the, he, Blinka made sure that Kobe had dinner with uh, Heath Ledger in New York wow. when he was in uh, New York after facing the Knicks. Do you see the problem with this story? Wait. Kobe saw The Dark Knight uh-huh. and wanted to have dinner with Heath Ledger. Uh-huh. Think about the timeline here of events in history. So you're saying he's responsible for Heath Ledger's death? No, Heath Ledger was dead before The Dark Knight came out. Oh, yeah. wait. So, Palinka, for those of our listeners who are under the age of 10, The Dark Knight is a Batman movie which starred Heath Ledger as the Joker. <laughs> and Heath Ledger passed away, tragically, before the movie was released. He was the first person to win an Oscar for playing the Joker, which is now a joke and Oscar bait uh, role. But yeah, so yes, Palenka was telling the story about how Kobe had dinner with Heath Ledger after seeing The Dark Knight, which, impossible. Sure. <laughs> for so many reasons. Wait, who told this story? Uh, Rob Palenka, Kobe's former agent I and see. current GM of the Lakers. Gotcha. Uh, so my incredibly dark joke after Kobe died was, well, I guess Rob Palenka finally got him that dinner with Heath Ledger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so un- back to uncut gems. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was. The point of what I was saying is that, uh, like, uh, KG being an apparition, Bojack being dead. Again, spoilers. He's not. Uh, it's just like, I. The recent. Here's something you didn't know about Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. that wasn't in the text. Oh God. Like so much of that, I'm just like, no. I need. I don't want all of these theories about like. A ghost, or it's dead, like or like, uh, oh, like us. Uh, what's uh, what's the name of uh, the girl in Rugrats? Like, oh, she was just imagining the babies. Oh, Angelica, yeah, Angelica, yeah, yeah. Like, which just... is a theory that is so delightfully dark. Like, it's extreme, and I know there's no water to it, but like, it's... I love it because it is so batshit Lovecraftian darkness. I guess darkness. so. I think people just want like a weird, like edgy version of the Rugrats. Yeah, like it just. I'm tired of these theories or these post movie or post. You know, J.K. Rowling, sure. post-book yeah. revelations yeah. that are not supported by the text itself. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so most of the Star Wars re- revelations have Boy. been coming from the result of the novelization, which yeah. is something that Star Wars has done. But, like, yeah. we were talking about, I was talking about this amongst friends, Darling included, where I said, like, the novelizations traditionally have either validated or verified theories that mm-hmm. people walked away from the movies feeling were somewhat ambiguous. They did not have to add details and information that the movie should have given us. These are, us. like, major details yeah. that yeah. we've been adding throughout. Like, that, uh, what, Palpatine is a clone, and so is Rey. Oh, no, not Rey. Uh, Palpatine's a clone, and then the son mm. that is Rey's... I did air quotes there for the listeners at home. Mm. Uh, the son who is Rey's father is a failed Palpatine ah, clone. okay, got it. So, correction... Palpatine did not fuck. <laughs> Although, well, I mean, if he's a failed Can clone, he's still... Can you imagine, like, trying to seduce anyone? <laughs> like... <laughs> hey, Hugh Hefner was going at late into his life, and ugh. But, yeah, so... Speaking of wood, pseudo-wood. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have 
much else to say about this one, but except for one other surprise in the height, because we keep bringing up the fact that, like, when you look at these Pokemon in images, it's tough to gauge their proportions. I would have guessed this thing was six feet tall, just looking at it. It's very lithe and long. Turns out it's only four feet tall. That's a pretty short tree. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah a, it's, wow. like, it's a sapling, basically. Yeah. So that's another reason why it is kind of baffling that there's this whole mechanic that it can block a path, like this four-foot tall. I would have assumed, tall. like, redwood-sized. Yeah. Yeah. Or at that's least weird, just, you know. actually. That's like a normal, uh, not a normal, I mean, that's like a slightly tall man. Yeah. So it is, no. right? 311. Oh, wait, uh, didn't you say six feet? Four feet. I expected four feet. it to be six oh, feet. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, but six it is feet only you would have accepted more. Yeah. Like yeah. four feet. Yeah, that's, oh, wait, that's, that's like, not punchable. That's sh shorter than I am. Yeah. <laughs> it's tall enough to defend itself, and with those, like, big bulbs, I'm terrified that it's just going to punch me right back. Yeah. yeah. With mm. rock with rock hands, no less, not supple <laughs> leaf hands. And here's the scary thing. It would wear a smile the entire time. So this is like a little DeVito-sized tree that like, people like, can't get past. It's sub DeVito. <laughs> it's skinny DeVito. It's and skinny it's also DeVito. Uh, and it also has Ditto face too. That's the other thing I want yeah. to discuss yeah. today. That's the thing I love about. It. Um, yeah. Uh, the shiny is great. Uh, it's a greenish gold wood body, shall we say? Uh, and the leaves, the bulbs, whatever you want to call them, are red. So it's kind of autumnal. Which is weird that, like, it feels like the most obvious shiny coloration to go with for this thing. Like, let's make it green and red. Like, I don't know how else to explain it, but that just feels obvious to me. But I still love it because there's also, like, the back end of it being kind of, like, Christmas color. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. cute. I dig it. Yeah. I put a little like Santa it. hat on him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you could you would give that to your kid on Christmas and like, you'd put a little button and start dancing in the Walmart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Like a little <laughs> rock and roll pseudo weirdo. Like if I was a kid, I'd run through that aisle and set all of them off. And, <laughs> it would <laughs> literally, and, and of course, it would have to sing rocking around the Christmas tree yeah. because it is a rock type. Yeah. <laughs> Have there um, been Pokemon Christmas episodes? Yeah, there was one where Santa had a bunch of jinxes. Oh, wait, so Santa exists in uh, the Pokemon yeah, world. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite fiction tropes is when people realize that Santa, who they thought they had made up, is real. <laughs> because I'm not totally sure about this, but I believe I've read that Christmas is a popular holiday in Japan, although they celebrate it differently. I don't think it's like a full-on holiday. They celebrate with KFC. Oh, oh do they? Yeah. KFC everywhere else in the world is actually like a reputable fast food fan <laughs> franchise. It's amazing. You have to order like your special KFC Christmas bucket. I think because there is an association of like American Christmas, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, American food, and hmm. boom. There are a lot of Catholics in Japan though, right? So that's a pretty big holiday, I would assume. Uh, I don't know how many, but I know silence is sure. obviously based on sure. truth. So, yeah. yeah, I guess uh, this would be a good time to mention that I am... In in real life, uh, I am leaving for a vacation in Japan oh, in that's right. four days as of recording. When uh, this episode drops, you will be in Japan. Yeah, I will be in Japan. So, guys, uh, follow. If you're not already following it, follow at Pod on Twitter. I will be sending Michael Darling any and all encounters that I have with Pokemon <laughs> across, well across uh, the ocean. And I'll leave it to him to disseminate them to you folks. Which, uh, <laughs> uh, which cities are you going to? Um, so I'm doing a three-day stop in Tokyo and overnight in Hakone, which is a small town outside of Tokyo, like closer to Mount Fiji. Then going to Kyoto for three days, mm -hmm. uh, overnight in Koyasan, and then a three-day stay in Osaka and then back here. Very cool. You know, if there are any of those Pokemon stores in any of those cities, you're going to have to go. Yeah. I'd imagine there have to be in Tokyo, which yeah, I haven't really Tokyo. looked up. Yeah. But like, there are like major toy stores there that will have that. 
I've got my map. But like, there are the actual Poke Mart or whatever they're called oh, stores. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, where it's just Pokemon stuff. That's cool. Yeah, I have a certain like methodology towards traveling, which is that I don't really do itineraries or schedules unless there's like a particular thing that I have to buy tickets to or something like mm. that. I'm big on museums and just kind of walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is I just plan on having my phone on. I actually per- like they. The, uh, Japan. For those of you who are considering uh, traveling to Japan, let me give you a couple of early tips that I've gotten, and I'll probably do some more later. But uh, buy a Japan. Everyone's told me buy a rail pass for Japan. It's super easy online. Oh yeah, they will mail it to you before you, you get even the high leave. Speed rail it's rules. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then on top of that, they anticipate that people that are looking into this online are tourists, mm. so they straight up say like, hey, save some money on putting data on your phone and just rent a pocket Wi-Fi. Um, so for ten dollars oh, a day, you can this. have high-speed Wi-Fi in your pocket. So that's what. It, so I just pinned everything mm-hmm. and anything that looks at all interesting to my Google Maps. I'm just going to be using my pocket Wi-Fi all day. Yeah. Oh. My Google Maps looks insane right now with how many pins there are. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just going to be. I'm just going to con- like. I'm just going to constantly be checking my phone and just being like, what's nearby that I can check out do that you, looks cool. Um, do you speak any Japanese? None whatsoever. So uh, going to be a thing bad about Japan is like a lot of people do not speak English. Mm. So I would at least, at least like have a few conversational phrases, I guess. I'll mind. start practicing. Sure. I do. I thank you for the warning. Yeah. Um, I have another friend who went who did not speak a lick of Japanese, and he mm. said that at least if you have like your phone and data, like sure. you can find your way around. Yeah. But you're gonna do. But he did warn me like you're gonna do a lot of pointing mm-hmm. and gesturing. <laughs> sure. Um, he said especially in like like and he did warn me like you'll get by in the cities, but mm-hmm. like in the smaller towns you're gonna be in a little bit of trouble. From what I understand like people do sort of understand English, but are also like ashamed of not being able to speak it super well, so like mm-hmm. they don't want to use it. Understandable. Understood. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's part of the reason why like I even if I do get some of the phrases down, like I'll probably like be similarly shy about attempting sure. to speak Japanese. Yeah, to exactly. Um, well, hopefully you can all just point at each other and you'll figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, okay. So here's the one sore spot for today, today's run of Pokemon for me. And it's Politoed, oh. the only Pokemon I have any issue with. Oh, okay. Did you have any serious thoughts before we go? Uh, no, I think this Pokemon's cool. Okay. I like that. It's a four foot Danny DeVito tree. <laughs> 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 I think that rules. Kid, kid, you gotta water me. <laughs> Look, if they, if they, if they can't get DeVito for Pikachu. Please get Danny Vito as Sudowoodo oh, in cool. the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. So Politoed, a water type that evolves from Poliwhirl when you are holding a king. Well, sorry, when it's holding a king's rock during a trade, which is interesting because this is the introduction of basically held item mechanics in terms of Pokemon, mm-hmm. uh, and they're doing with an evolution, which I think is fun. But yeah, I um. So this is so this is like this is going to be the one critical point I have today of like any of these Pokemon because I love the design and I honestly said that like preface this like I think it makes up for how boring the, and subtle and like minimal the changes between Poliwhirl and Poliwrath really mm-hmm. um, where Poliwrath just looked a little bit angrier and like yeah. a little bit more puffed yeah. up um, I think Politoed is a great design but then it's when you look behind that and read the lore of it it starts to conflict with game mechanics and like flip that back to the conversation we had about Sudowoodo where Sudowoodo is so good as like, here's a rock type. Here's a great use of that type as a game mechanic where you use the water and blah, blah, blah. This guy on the other hand, like apparently according to the lore, it appears in the wild, mm. but it only evolves if it's traded holding a certain item. So then how mm. does it occur in the wild? Yeah. Um, 
and then it's yeah it's just so many like little things where like yeah it just makes me think of the whole egg mechanic where it's like okay so then why are there these tadpoles happening in the wild and all this sort of thing mm-hmm. like why like what so because it's like poly- a baby right because polytoad uh. can't be born from an egg you if polytoads fuck they have a polywag yeah because it goes so, polywag polywhirl and then either wrath or yeah toad. so this yeah. so this pokemon technically should not exist in the wild <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're having like a bunch of Ursaring tossing them around while they're hunting, and like <laughs> I'm gonna it have happens to... to be holding a King's Rock, and that counts as a nature yeah. trade. I'm gonna have to double check this, but wasn't it that Poly World only turned into Poly Wrath if you had uh, if you used a Waterstone? I think yeah, that was a Waterstone. Yeah, so they're consistent at least in terms of having it be a Pokemon that needs an item to evolve. Yeah, but this one not only needs the item, but it has to be traded with the item, mm-hmm. is the other thing. So that's the other thing. It's not enough to just give it the King's Rock, which, again, I think that might be the same thing with Slow King. Yes. Is that it's not just, you don't just give it the King's Rock. The King's Rock has to be is a held item that you trade it with. Yeah, exactly. Do you think they're like polytoad breeders or just like leaving them in the forest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's like the... It's like you just dropped off a bunch of like pugs into like... <laughs> Griffith or something. <laughs> so at this point, Politoed is basically like the amphibian pug of Pokemon. <laughs> this thing does not exist. Should not exist in nature. We bred this thing into existence with like artificial practices. It's like and actually training. cruel. Yeah. I mean, like Politoed. At least I think it's a correction on the Poliwag line because it is weird that it's just like consistently a uh, Poly. Sorry, I need to a Poliwag. Yeah, a Poliwag throughout its entire uh, evolutionary chart. Mm-hmm. So having it become an actual frog seems like the logical endpoint versus, like, it's just an angrier one. I can't get over the pug comparison that you just made. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. But, like, pug, like, I love pugs. They're such sweet oh, yeah. dogs. I've had pugs, but, like, they shouldn't exist. But they are such unfortunately. Like, we should take care of them, but, like, they shouldn't be there in the first place. I mean, French bulldogs are the ones that are in the front of nature. <laughs> yeah. They cannot breathe. I mean, yeah. Wait, I kind can of, they really not? That's no, why they're it's always pugs that, like, it's pugs that really can't. I thought French bulldogs had even no French worse. bulldogs. Are, French bulldogs are mainly bred for the ears. Uh, mm. They don't have. They don't have as many. Bre- it's pugs that literally yeah, can't. Pugs breathe. have like all really? sorts of health problems. Aww. Like you, I'm not even. I'm not going to. Listeners, I will spare black. you my imitation of a yeah. pug breathing, but. <laughs> They, it sounds like, like a like a person with asthma, like an actual human baby with like asthma. It's literally it literally sounds like a person trying to like hyperventilate into a wet into a wet paper bag. Yeah, that's how wow. all pugs. And that's breathe. just like their normal breathing pattern. I thought French bulldogs had also had that problem. Not oh, as much. Yeah, it's not, it's not as common. Okay. Um, I mean, flat faces probably aren't great for dogs. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. probably. I mean, not. they weren't like they didn't start off that way as wolves, so like it's like not natural. Yeah, I mean, my favorite pug moment in my life is the fact that i once had a sleepover with some friends one of like the per host owned a pug and just the next morning we just the poor pug like had gotten trapped in the bag of potato oh. trips while we were asleep that yeah. we'd like left kind of between us on the bedroom floor sure. and just passed out after oh. eating his way through what we were sure was a half bag of potato sure. chips <laughs> like the dog wasn't like struggling or anything like that he was just like waist deep in this like gigantic family-sized bag of lays i know we're already way behind schedule but i believe blue you had a recent fun dog food interaction that you need to share with the podcast oh yeah my super doofus dog i bought <laughs> <laughs> i bought a box of moon pies what a time to be alive moon pies moon Moon pies? Oh, moon pies. Yeah, right. there's actually a couple there if you want to grab one. Um, mm. But I got home. Podcast treat. I got home from an <laughs> evening out, and 
the box is on the ground. Both of the moon pies are still in their package across the room, mm -hmm. like, and have not been bitten or messed with that much. My doofus dog went to the effort to get the cardboard box off of the coffee table, <laughs> open it, extract the two moon pies from the depth of the box, but then for some reason when she encountered the cell the light cellophane wrapper around them, that was too much. <laughs> <laughs> the two moon pies are untouched. There's no like serious bite marks or anything like that. She just like scooted them around the apartment hoping they would fall out Aww. apparently. <laughs> Dogs are both like food monsters and like idiots. That's like yeah. a pretty good combination of things to me. I took a I took a picture of her because I believe in like sarca or in sarcastically shaming my dog sure. thanks to those Will Ferrell SNL bits. Yeah. Put, <laughs> Shame your dog. I put one of the moon pies on her head and put uh -huh. a picture on Instagram. Yeah. Moon pies are chocolate, right? Uh, so the so they actually do come in different flavors. The, okay. the classic is chocolate, uh, but they also have a banana and a vanilla frosted. And variant. thankfully, these are vanilla rather than chocolate, because yeah. of course you got into them. Yeah. Well, no, she's actually eaten chocolate before, and I guess oh, no. she, apparently only half of dogs are actually like deathly allergic oh, to really? chocolate. She's gotten into chocolate. She once drank in it. I was once sick, left a chocolate milkshake in my living room in my mm -hmm. old place. This, like, I. Didn't touch it because I, like, had, like, I was not feeling great. So I just went upstairs, went to bed, woke up the next morning, realized I'd left the chocolate milkshake sitting out there all night. I woke up the next morning and the damn thing was, like, split down the middle. Uh -huh. Like, the cup, it was, it was a, it was like a styrofoam cup. And it was split down the middle like a dissection had taken place. Uh -huh. Not a drop of chocolate milkshake <laughs> anywhere. No. She was a goddamn surgeon. Um, Do you have to take Cordy to the vet? I like looked at my basic. Once you've had a dog for several years, you kind of realize like you can't panic at every little thing because that's going to be like three hundred bucks every single time you mm -hmm. panic at the littlest thing. So I just kind of looked at her and I was like, "Let's see how you poop." <laughs> <laughs> you advice took your for chances. New, advice for new dog owners: like that's your that's your dog's uh, poop habits are generally going to be the best litmus test of sure. like should you take it to the vet. I mean, I guess like Cordy wasn't like vomiting or whatever. Like, yeah, Cordy exactly. Yeah. So like, yeah, and and that that especially if like your dog isn't vomiting, and especially if they're like pooping normally, like mm -hmm. you're fine. Sure. Um, and she was just totally chill about it. Okay. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well. Good for Cordy. I'm glad Cordy got to have a little taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little taste. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go on a small little rant about Politoed, please. Mm -hmm. Uh, namely that. Uh, while I'm not opposed to the whole, it's got an item to help it evolve, because I think it does help show, like, I think a lot of these cross-generation evolutions or baby forms are showing off new mechanics. Mm. Like, we've got held items in this case. We had happiness with Crobat. We have just, you know, you can breed for eggs with the babies. Uh, but this begins kind of a proliferation of items that are there to help a Pokemon evolve. And, like, yeah, the King's Rock does have a, uh, does help boost the chance of making an opponent flinch, which, that's good, that's useful, you can use it on Pokemon besides the ones that evolve with it, but they keep, in later games, adding items that exist just to make a Pokemon evolve, and they don't do anything else, and it just seems so useless and so unnecessary, and I'm convinced, like, that's part of the reason why they reduce the decks in Sword and Shield, because it's like, we have to program in all of these goddamn items that don't serve any other purpose than to make a Pokemon evolve. And don't they get, like, super specific eventually, too? Like, it's... Like, it gets specific down to, whereas, like, a Leafstone makes any grass Pokemon evolve. Doesn't it eventually well, get to the point where it's, like... Well, certain grass Pokemon. But, yeah, it's, like, it's... 
like I think uh, the Reaper cloth for uh, Dusclops that is for only one Pokemon. Yeah, and I'm thinking about like uh, Surfetched versus uh, Duck with Stick. <laughs> like, isn't there just like one particular item that Duck with Stick has to hold to become oh, Sir no, no, Duck no. with uh, Stick? If Duck with Stick is holding a leak, or like if any, the leak item will help boost the chance of hitting critical oh, hits. Oh, okay. Uh, but the point is, Duck with Stick needs to hit three critical hits in a battle. So that could be against like one Pokemon or a full team of six Pokemon. Mm. You just need to get three critical hits. Uh, that's when it'll evolve into Sir Duck with Stick. But I'm sure there's somebody you don't that necessarily got that. need the item is the thing. I'm sure there's somebody that had good enough luck to get those three critical hits without even trying in their first battle with Farfest, and they were just automatically like, "Oh wow, I already got this uh, fancy uh, white duck with stick." <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was me, except I had the leak attached to ah. Sir Duck with Stick, or sorry, regular Duck with Stick. But yeah, like you don't need the item, but it helps. Versus like you need this item, and the only purpose for the item is to evolve the Pokemon, and so they have to now think of like, okay. Where can we put this item in the game? Because we have to go through the checklist of every goddamn thing we need to include. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's definitely a problem that I'm starting to run into as far as, like, I run a D&D campaign now, Chow, and I've just been... I love, like, my players getting really into it and asking about crafting and these types of things. I have, like, five different spreadsheets I have to keep on, like, <laughs> different tabs at any given time just in case somebody wants to craft something buy something or just like any number of different things or like <laughs> oh and then also there's like a random magical wand that randomly will polymorph a character into one of 100 different creatures so just oh my in case, god just in case the character wants to do that i have to be ready for <laughs> what the results are of that casting so that sounds like, like your favorite thing to do though based oh on my god you. <laughs> <laughs> i love i love that chow knows me well enough that he knows that like oh you have five spreadsheets that sounds like heaven to you. <laughs> heard people who've known me for like an hour be like that sounds like something you're into <laughs> you're very much the amy santiago of the podcast. god i um i have a twitter friend shout out to natalie shama i'm just doing all these like friend of the podcast shout outs today. i guess i'm in the mood because oh, of yeah. drinking sure. wine. but um but she uh but she and i went to washington dc like four years ago i think and um again i don't do itineraries but i just like to have like a spread of a plan I had a three-tab spreadsheet for our, like, four days in D.C. of, like, here are different efficient routes that we can take each given day. And we can just kind of pick them and then hit stuff along this route that's all geographically grouped so that we're seeing as much as we can see in each direction we go to in D.C. And it was all color-coded mm -hmm. and had an annotated map because I was that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I even had, like, restaurants that she had recommended and, like, different, like, bars that she had recommended because she did a lot of the research for stuff to see. Mm -hmm. um, but I, like, flagged it as, like, these are ideal lunch stops, these are ideal dinner stops, <laughs> <laughs> and these are ideal stop stops. Nice, nice. <laughs> nice. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. And, like, but the, but the thing that I, that I take pride in is that, like, as much as I do that back-end work, it does not feel at all scheduled or planned i'm okay. very relaxed about it it's mm -hmm. just a constant like oh it's we just backup. finished up this museum sure. i know where we can go next sure yeah that's like, great yeah 
Um, yeah, that's me at Disneyland, basically. Yeah, that's how it should be. I mean, Disneyland, the difference between ha- approaching Disneyland that way and like knowing how FastPass works and how to work that system is the difference between ha- getting on five rides for a day mm. and getting on ten rides oh. per day. Like, it literally can double your like exposure. I need to give a quick brag. I was at Disneyland just earlier this week and with a couple friends, and we got on Big Thunder Mountain at, like, we got in line at 9 o'clock, park closing at 10. We got on the ride about 9.30, got off, ran to Toontown, did Roger Rabbit, ran from that to Alice in Wonderland. That was like a, t- like, Roger Rabbit was a walk-on. Sure. Uh, really? Alice it used to be, like, so crowded when I used to go. Well, I think by 9.30 at oh, night, okay. like, there was mm-hmm. no one there. Sure, um, mostly kids that go on it. Yeah, exactly. It's a fun ride, though. Yeah, that's oh, why you saved Mr. Ride. Toad's Wild Ride for, like, the end, like, post-dinner, sure. like, yeah. we've sense. got to kill time for one more big yeah. ride. Or do it during lunch when all of the kids are having lunch. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then ran down to Alice in Wonderland, got on that in like 10 minutes, then ran to Peter Pan at 9.58 we were in line, park closed at 10. If you're in line, by 10 p.m., they let you on the ride. Oh, nice. So we got on Peter Pan around 10.20 mm-hmm. and basically got a bonus ride out of it. Oh, so yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. we knocked off four rides in basically an hour. Yeah, That's I once incredible. made somebody's day because I was I went to Disneyland. The last time I went to Disneyland was in July, so it was like one of those super hot days, and the park was at capacity. Like they had to start turning people away. Yeah. And the person I went with and I, we stopped at that like restaurant that's like the imitation theater at midday. Um, oh, so the like it looks Circle. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it looks like the theater where Snow White prepared. Yeah. Uh, premiered and. We just enjoyed the cocktails so much that by, like, 4 p.m. we were in serious day hangover mode. Oh. And we had, like, fast passes for, like, Space Mountain. And both of us looked at each other like, nope, nope we need to get out of here. We need to go and, like, <laughs> nurse these hangovers. And we just gave two random people our Is fast Alcohol passes. Is for... Disneyland new? Because I know California definitely has it. But yeah. Disneyland didn't used to, right? Disneyland has never had alcohol until last year when the cantina okay. in Star Wars in a, uh, opened up. Yeah. But that booze you can only have in the cantina. So sure. you still can't walk around with booze in Disneyland, but you sure. can in California Adventure. Okay. Yeah, I went yeah. to Disney World for the first time since I was eight, two mm. years ago. Mm. And it is, it is after going to Disneyland multiple times since living in California, it is astonishing to me that in every single park, booze is readily accessible. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, that's Florida. Yeah. yeah. Florida, yeah. just they're just like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, wander into the swamp? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. How much take it now? Uh, one... Depends on the day, but like let's say 100 to 130. Okay. Yeah. I think they so. find. I saw a headline that finally some days, uh, certain days of Disneyland have actually crossed the $200 mark. Hmm. Well, it depends on the ticket. I think. Yeah. Part of it. Like I it's, know it changed day for day uh, from day to day. You know, it's like I think maybe a Tuesday versus a Tuesday off season mm-hmm. versus a Sunday or Saturday in the summer. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, one last note for Politoed for me, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shiny is blue, like its relatives, but with a pink and purple swirl. So I think that's fun. It's a I fun like that. shiny. And that, yeah. and that harkens to like other... It definitely has like tree frog vibes, like those kind of colorful rainforesty frogs. Oh, yeah. and I think the blue is just a great play on that and kind of mm-hmm. keeping that in place. Um yeah. I do kind of want to look up how big this frog is now. Ooh. I realize I did not notice. <laughs> I mean, technically that. it's a toad. It is a three-foot-tall frog. That is a big-ass toad. That's big, yeah. 
Like, I know we were calling... It looks like it walks around on two legs, also. Yeah, it's a foot shorter than Pseudo-Widow, granted, but that's still... <laughs> that's pretty close, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all Pokemon kind of fall into this scale, but I mean, it's. Sure. I just want to... I wanted to correct that because I realized I brought up tree frogs, and those <laughs> things are like, oh, they're cute. They're going to have to wrap around your finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, this frog is bigger than some bushes. Yeah, no, this frog is definitely, it's kickable height. So what's the smallest, kickable. like, what's the tallest Pokemon that you've Ooh. covered so far? Or at least know about, maybe. I mean, I think Joltik, which we won't get until, I think, Gen 5, is super tiny. It's like a little electric bug, and it's okay. small. So I think in terms of tiniest thus far, we have not encountered anything that is below a foot. Mm. Like, yeah, because even one foot, was, like, one foot or yeah, something. Yeah, one foot tends to be the kind of, like, baseline for them. Sure. And I don't think I think Onyx would be like the extreme measure of like a yeah. tall Pokemon, but every but that's why I kind of noticed that like everything kind of falls into that like in terms of tall Pokemon, they all mm -hmm. kind of tall fall into that six foot seven foot range. Sure. Yeah, I mean the legendary birds I feel like should be big. We'll look that up, but I feel like they should be. Big. I recall the birds being in the five to six foot range because huh. yes. I remember pointing that out. And Pidgeot also, I remember pointing out it's weird that there is a six foot tall bird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, Pidgeot which, six feet. Yeah. Wow. I know, right? It's uh, and I mean there is a bird like I did like I did point this out in that episode way way back when, but like uh, there's I can't remember the exact scientific name of it, but like the largest bird that ever lived has a wingspan and was about the size of a Pidgeot, <laughs> slightly smaller maybe. Sure. It was like maybe five yeah. feet tall standing up, but it's not too unrealistic. But especially for legendaries, like the legendaries ranged from like five feet flat up to six feet. I think okay. for the tallest. Like Mewtwo is about human size, I think. Yeah. Yeah. How tall is Mewtwo? Uh, Mewtwo, if I remember correctly, was six feet. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. That makes sense. All right. Any other Politoed thoughts? Uh, actually, Mewtwo is six foot seven, but no. Okay. That's real tall, actually. That's a uh, Vince. That's like Vince Vaughn. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a shooting guard. Yeah, yeah. that's like a good shooting guard power forward height. Yeah. All right. Any other Politoed thoughts here? I don't think so. No. All right. All right. Let's move on to the Hopip line. So Hopip, Skiploom, and Jumpluff. Uh, clear theming in the names, but first I just want to shout out the type, which is grass slash flying, which is the first time we've encountered this typing. So, yay, unique typings. Yeah, and I mean, one thing I'm surprised about with the grass flying type, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, and I don't know where they're local to, but, you know, kind of tied to the fact that my mother made the Trinidadian confection reference with calling Hopip a pawpaw ball. <laughs> um, in Trinidad, one thing I also know that I kind of associate with pawpaw balls is that, like, I would always get those kinds of snacks and treats when we went up to, like, this uh, Catholic monastery with my family, which mainly would just be, like, a great afternoon trip on the way to the beach because, mm -hmm. like, you stop up at the top of this mountain and you can see all the way, like, halfway down the island uh, to the south. Rad. Um, but they also have these, like, trees with these, like, little lead, like, where they would drop their seeds on these, like, whirly sort of leaves um, that would like spiral down in like a fan spinning thing and they were always really cool um, so I would associate that with kind of a grass type and I wonder if there isn't like a grass flying type that has that kind of like wing blade design um, well I mean this one does Hopip has basically like a helicopter going on with leaves mm -hmm. am I mixing it up with Avatar or am I thinking of the dragon prince that involved riding a large version of one of those down. That sounds like Avatar, right? Yeah, you have to. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, The Ride, <laughs> and they frequently make reference to the Mighty Akron, mm -hmm. which is the the beast that you have to connect your tail, mm -hmm. your, like, your ponytail That's to the like back of it. That's what Jake Sully gets on, right? Yeah. Wow, you knew a name <laughs> from Avatar. Oh, no, no, I'm actually, I am, it is Dragon Prince that has the 
gigantic version of the spinning leaf that they oh, yeah. like because first they have because like first Rayla and Callum climb the tree to get to uh, to get to her hometown in Zadia and then they ride the leaf down from there. Okay. Um, in yeah, Avatar, it's a matter of, of a like it's a matter of like a Taoist like you have to thing, like yeah. loose your body and be able to like roll down the leaves like a water droplet. Mm. So like a reverse Kung Fu Panda two, which great movie, best movie trilogy of the two thousand aughts. I think we've had this discussion. Before. We have, and I'm just making a call back okay. to it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to relitigate it. I just want to remind people. <laughs> it still stands. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate when someone found that Avatar doesn't have a fandom just based on the fact that there are like barely any fanfic for Avatar on an archive of our own. Oh my but god. But it was huge at the time and that like, people did like have all that, I think, well, when it was out I mean, during that year. I think it's more like it was huge because it was such a spectacle to go see, mm. but it didn't have a lasting fandom. It did had people, like, no cultural impact. Pandora? There was that. Yeah. And clearly like Disney saw money in it because they opened up that Avatar land in uh Florida, right? Yeah, at Animal Kingdom. I hear it's, like, actually pretty cool. And yeah. it actually, like, makes sense uh, as, like, a theme park. I think even more so than oh, a yeah. movie. Yeah. Do you but know? I don't, see it, I don't see the four sequels that Cameron the Crazy Man sure. is Sure. Uh, I wish planning. he was making other stuff outside of Avatar, but he's James Cameron. Whatever he wants to do. He is like he directing those Avatar yes, signals? Of course. Oh, I like so that this is what he's dedicated the rest of his life to. Yeah. I thought he was doing kind of a J.J. Abrams thing where he's directing Avatar 2 and then Avatars 3 through 6 or whatever are <laughs> being handed off to other directors with him producing. Sure. It's like if Scorsese was doing like five Hugos or something. <laughs> <laughs> I like Hugo, though. I do, too. But like, I don't need more than one Hugo. The thing I remember more <laughs> than Avatar is the SNL sketch about Ryan Gosling, like going crazy because of the avatar font just being papyrus <laughs> sure. yes yeah which <laughs> i will link to a video of it oh. in the notes it's brilliant cameron God, absolutely saw it like at a yoga class <laughs> 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 like, we know this oh god okay so back yeah. to back Sorry, to our I'd avatar pandora i think about james cameron uh it's there's a famous story about how he didn't want to cast oj simpson as the terminator oh, because right. two reasons one he thought that O.J. like was too nice, know, right? Yeah, O.J. was too nice. There's yeah. no way he could be a killer. Yeah. Uh, and then also, like to Cameron's credit, he didn't want to play into the idea of like, oh, here's this black guy mm. chasing after a white woman to kill her. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. However, Cameron then in a oral history of the Terminator, like twenty something years later, was like, well, had we known what he was gonna do, I totally would have cast him as a Terminator. <laughs> Because Cameron is a psychopath. <laughs> it's like how uh, what Eastwood wanted to get the actual terrorist for uh, what? What's the train movie? Oh, uh, the, the eighteen fifteen? No, that's a like Fort, uh, Polar Express. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah like Express. the fourteen fifteen or something like that. The fourteen fifteen, the Paris, right? Yeah. Where they did get the actual like troops that so like did he actually want to get the he did real he terrorists? contacted like France's government they're like we're not gonna <laughs> let you Clint this is dangerous. And, like, irresponsible. I feel like there's a good satire to be made about, like, if somehow the French government allowed that <laughs> and then the terrorist just winds up going Hollywood. <laughs> that is I mean, like a sure. Bojack plot. Yeah, it is a Bojack plot. I've seen plot. less insane plots. Yeah. Okay. Oh. It's like a Mr. Show sketch. Yeah, yeah actually. Oh. But, okay, so let's, uh, so diving back into the... Hobbit Pokemon one. that actually would be pretty easy to picture in Pandora. He looks like uh, Jigglypuff. 
Yeah, yeah they're just yeah. kind of grass versions of other fairy types that we've yeah. seen. Except, like, whereas... But not actually fairies, just to be clear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I always complain that, like, fairy types, like, one of the consistent things that I got tired of with fairy types that we saw with Azumarill in the last episode is that they all kind of evolve into these ovaline shapes, which yeah. Hoppip frankly avoids, or at least it's ovaline on its side. Yeah, it's pretty round, consistently. But, um... But yeah, the one weird thing that you don't see in a lot of Pokemon is the facial is this particular makeup of facial details, huh. which is like a less defined mouth, like with no pronounced lips or anything like that, and also beady eyes. Yeah, like yeah. Jawa eyes. Oh, yeah. yeah, with no particular reason for it. Like you see that generally with bugs, and not even consistently with bugs, but. Even Paris has, like, pupils. More like and... a Diglett, right? Who also has, like, the little beady eyes. Yeah, Diglett's the yeah. only other Pokemon that comes immediately to mind. And Seal. Sure. Except those, like, have... I mean, and obviously Ditto and Pseudo also. But those have, like, just the black beady eyes where it's either colored in. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. So these are, like, yellow. weird demonic colors. <laughs> <laughs> or, like... Yeah, so... But yeah, if it wasn't so cute, it'd be pretty scary to see, I think. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. really have nothing to say about these guys. Like, they're just... They're there. They're cute. They're fun typing. They're one of only six three-stage families introduced in Gen 2, which is interesting. I mean, I'll make a reference to a movie that I haven't seen, but these feel like the Pokemon that should be in Midsummer, just based uh-huh. on all the Halloween costumes that I saw last year. <laughs> like, these would be the Pokemon that white people who really love Midsummer would own. Apparently the... they're, like, weightless, so they are, like, pretty much Jigglypuffs, right? Well, they are flying. But, yeah, yeah. what's, uh... What's the weight height stat on this one, Blue? Because that's your field. So this guy, so this guy, they mentioned like it gets picked up by the wind, and mm. so Hopip is a full like foot tall, but it's only one pound. Which, when you really think about, like a ball that is like wow. a full foot tall. Yeah. Round that out, and it's even wider than it is tall. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that means it's pretty. It's not dense at all. Yeah. It's fluffy. Mm-hmm. Just it's a little fluffy. Have you done Jigglypuff? Is a Jigglypuff like comparable in like size and weight? Um, let me actually look up what Jigglypuff's comparative. That'll be because I feel like Jigglypuff's a little bit taller, so Jigglypuff's closer mm. to two feet. Mm. Okay. And it apparently weighs twelve pounds. Oh, huh. so it's like so, so yeah, so yeah. If you count for that, like it is six times heavier, yeah. like six times denser. Um, anyway, so Hopip is definitely like a little fluffy ball. Like a yeah. little beach ball boy. Yeah. Like yeah. Jigglypuff is a medicine ball. <laughs> yeah. This guy's a little beach ball. Um, yeah. Especially nuts. for something that size. That is very light when you really consider it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there really is nothing to say about this guy. I do, well, they could have just made it like a pink oddish, I think. I think giving it ears mm-hmm. adds a little bit more to it. Yeah. Oh, well, it's another one of the many Pokemon we've encountered in this generation that seem Yoshi I- Yoshi's Island esque. Mm. Uh, I love yeah, the actually. name scheme. The hop, skip, and jump thing is yeah, very me fun. Too. Big fan of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just on the shiny report, uh, this is interesting because it is one of the rare cases of a shiny being changed. Uh, Hopip originally was going to be more of a reddish version of itself, mm. but in Gen 3, they changed it to kind of a green tomato color. And then Skiploom becomes a big purple fatty, uh, and Jumpluff is bubblegum pink in terms mm. of its shiny. Huh. I have nothing else to say about these Pokemon. I like the fact that they do kind of interchange their different stage colors for their shinies. Yeah. I always like it when they do that, personally. I oh, think yeah. that's always like a cool thing. Um, 
Yeah, they did kind of shift, like, one stage down for each of them. Yeah. Like, the green one became purple. Well, rather, the pink one became green, the green one became purple, the gr purple one became pink. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that I do find kind of weird about the Hopip and then what happens to it in this later stage is that Hopip's first, first stage Hopip has, like, as I mentioned, the cat ears and then, like, a little tail. And then it kind of, like, moves away from the feline styling. Yeah, like, it's got dog ears as Skip Loom. Really? Yeah. yeah and then Jump oh, Up is weird. just, like, jump a ball with doesn't three. have ears. Huh. Yeah, it's Jump Up just looks like a an Oddish, like, with the uh, Violet Beauregard. So it's, like, zero <laughs> consistency, then, other than it being, like a, like, a spherical creature. Yeah, other than, like, a spherical kind of dandelion-esque creature that flies. Mm. Like... I like that consistently there's a flying thing going on. Sure. Yeah. I mean, because I guess the whole thing is that, that. Yeah, I think they prioritize the sense of, like, can we make this thing look like it flies? Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to let's make it constantly look like a cat grass. Well, it's funny thing. it goes from cat to dog and then to nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just in the ears. We yeah. got a dog just like balls. I mean, yeah. well, the thing. Uh, so apparently, the other subtle thing that I got from the uh, Bulbapedia trivia is that it was like going for like the different stages of a dandelion's life. Yeah. So like the first one uh, is just when it's like shooting grass, and sure. then it becomes an actual flower in the second stage, oh, and then yeah. it becomes the little like dandelion bulb. Sure. Mm. That um, makes sense. So that makes a little yeah. bit more sense, and yeah. I guess they had to choose. Like they couldn't just like hew too closely to every single element that they introduced. Sure. Mm. Um, so they had to pick priorities. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is uh, this is an award I gave to other Pokemon in previous generation. I'll give it now, which is that this is absolutely a filler Pokemon. It's not meant to be like, I don't think it's really, it really, it's like the Atlanta Hawks. It doesn't expect to be anybody's favorite team. <laughs> it knows it's finishing 42 and 42 at best. But you know what? They played two extra games this Sorry, season? 41 and 41. <laughs> I forget who, I think it's John Boyce who said, the. I love the Atlanta Hawks, but they are the most 41 and 41 team ever made God, in the NBA. Yeah. Oh, the Atlanta um, Hawks, that's perfect. That is, yeah, shout out to Trey Young, but, oh, man. <laughs> and not much else. Atlanta um, is a wonderful city, but yeah, like yeah. that's, the Hawks are a team that you just, I know they do well every so often. They've had like Dominique Wilkins as an all-star yeah. and legendary Hall of Famer. I mean, they're but, a really dangerous yeah. regular season game. They're a really uh, regular season team. They're a really dangerous first-round playoffs team because they will just shock you and drag you into a seven-game first-round series without expecting it. Sorry, this is turning into an yeah. NBA podcast. <laughs> I just got home from Lakers versus Clippers. <laughs> Very disappointed that my Clippers lost, but... You saw an all-time LeBron performance, though. I so did get to see an all-time LeBron That's performance, cool. so it's hard to be mad about that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, like, yeah. there's just like there's I'm there's very much a point where like especially in the fourth quarter when he really turned it on, where I'm just I absolutely will applaud LeBron when he plays the way he plays. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's still. Well, regarding the Hawks, there was a term I think Bill Simmons coined, which was crypto champion, mm. which is a tr uh, team that feels like they should be a champion. But they're just not. Like the Dallas Mavericks for years in the early 2000s yeah. to basically when they beat LeBron's Heat, they were crypto champions consistently. Oh, I Because you had like Dirk Nowitzki and Steve Nash and uh, was Michael Beasley on one of those teams? I think so, yeah. Yeah, like you had a bunch of great guys and it seemed like why haven't these guys won a championship yet? I'd say the Spurs up until the second to last year before Duncan retired mm. definitely feel like crypto champions. That was like the er, before the like right before the Warriors won their first title, and then the year the Warriors won their first title. Okay. Like I'd say they have that like crypto champion sort of thing. They did take a championship off of the Warriors during that like dynasty run 
at some yeah. point. But um, well, I, I wouldn't put the Spurs in crypto champions territory just because they won so much in the 2000s when the Lakers and well, mostly the Lakers. Were I mean, I just respect their game so much that I'd say they even remained crypto champions because of that in the two th- in the mid 2010s. Oh no, I'm just saying like being a champion. Hmm. Recently, being a champion keeps you from oh, being okay. crypto champion. Crypto champion is like you should be there. Why aren't you? Whereas if you have recently been champion, you're still like, oh yeah, that was a legendary team. Touche. Yeah. 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 So. We have nothing to say about the Hoppip line, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Anybody? they definitely... I definitely love the Yoshi's Island reference, because that is the first video game that I ever 100%ed back in the day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, this guy gets the award for, like, filling a role, doing it well. Like, it's kind of like... I gave the award to Spiro as, like, you know what? You're just trying to be an angry-looking crow. Yeah. And you're doing <laughs> that job really well. <laughs> yeah, I'd be confused if you had a jump bluff in your final team in mm-hmm. Pokemon, but yeah. So are we ready to move on to uh, APOM? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. So this is... Uh, so Spank we're back the to... monkey tonight. I feel like this is our first Pokemon, at least since we've seen the movie, the Detective Pikachu movie, that appeared in the movie. Like, we've obviously covered other Pokemon that appeared in the... Uh... I want to say we did Lickitung after well, the Mewtwo movie. Mewtwo also, yeah. Yeah. I want to say, like, and Magikarp, because, mm. oh, the Magikarp scene is so good. Oh, yeah. The evo- the beating it up to turn into a Gyarados. Yeah. I, I really wish that they changed it in the games that if you had a very low, like, the lowest friendship rating with Magikarp, it would just evolve into Gyarados. Mm. But that because Gyarados they, would also not listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because they I, put that in all of the media, that if you abuse a Magikarp in some way, it'll turn into Gyarados. More so than if you abuse other Pokemon. In the animated series, right? I don't know about the anime, but definitely in Pokemon Snap. Like, you have to knock Magikarp into a pool, and then next thing you know, a Gyarados pops out and is very angry. I'm surprised they haven't done a Pokemon Snap follow-up in some way. Like, it's been 20-some years, and that just seems, like, so rife with potential. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a really great, like, simple concept turned into a puzzle game that, like, mm-hmm. just so many little things about it. Um... And you get to live every artist's fear, having your art judged by a professor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Apom is a normal type, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah. There's a there's an evolution to this that we will get to in maybe a year and a half, uh, give or take. I don't know what the actual schedule yeah. will look like. Gen but, four. <laughs> but yeah, it's a Gen four evolution that got that gets added on. But to start with, on this guy, I think that it's a really great like kind of madcap fantasy twist on the concept of a prehensile tale. Oh yeah. Like, Prehensile Tail grabs things, and okay, let's just go the next logical step and give it a hand. Um, yeah. Like, I like that its actual proper arms are kind of stubby. Yeah. I think I've read that it's supposed to have, like, the ability to grab things, but the palm is the, well, the tail palm is the real have, thing like, that fingers, they use to. Do they? Is it yeah, just not really. The, it's just the tail, right? It's just like, yeah, the tail is the only thing that has hand, has fingers, sorry. Uh, whereas the arms kind of are nubby, for one yeah. better term. I have hand, you can too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have hand. I'm just thinking about like the, so Michael, Michael Darling definitely saw this when I posted on Facebook, but I discovered the lion of the Swedish castle recently, which is this amazing, amazing story of like an 18th century. It's the echo homo Jesus if it were a uh, taxidermed lion, basically. Different origin behind this. The Echo Homo Jesus is like a very well-intentioned old lady who <laughs> earnestly wanted to restore like, a painting. Let's be clear. And fucked but it had up. no t- had no ability to do this. It's one of those well-intentioned idiot stories. Mm-hmm. To be clear. 
So we'll share a link to that. But then the uh, the Swedish castle lion is the story of a uh, king of Sweden at the time in the 18th century was gifted a lion as a pet. And when it passed away, the king asked for the head of the royal museum and a taxidermist who had never seen it living and had never seen a lion or had no data on lions to then mount it and preserve it. Oh, no. And this lion, I swear to you, is doing like, it is an actual lion. Like, it is it is a stuffed like you would see at a museum exhibit. But this thing has a slurping tongue, like it's in a cartoon. And the eyes, rather than being somewhat sideways yeah. on the head, are straight ahead like oh. a cartoon lion that has just seen a hot pie cooling on a window. <laughs> Like a pretty lady or something. I have just shown you how it does very much the Tex Avery. <laughs> and it's like, it's also just fixed in the like, I, when I found this picture of this lion, I straight up said that I hope that that lion is ha haunting that castle for how its remains were desecrated. It is a brilliant example of shitty to uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> shitty uh, taxidermy from the way back when. Yeah, so... Another thing, you guys, uh, that I'm a big fan of whenever I come across them on, like, random renaissance humor shitposting things that I follow on Twitter <laughs> is, like, marginalia mm. from, like, old renaissance texts where, like, bored monks would be drawing vulgar pictures. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And Apom, and I kid you people not, if you have not l ever looked into this, marginalia in renaissance texts get gross and it is hilarious These people are repressed and bored oh yeah so they would be just drawing the most vulgar shit knowing that like who's gonna see this yeah yeah i there appreciate was... that the monks were openly horny yeah <laughs> um and just openly disturbed like it even gets like gross like they would draw pictures of like dogs shitting into like priest's mouths <laughs> like that um Anyway, <laughs> oh. this apom looks like my opinion of like what you what like one of those folks would draw if like <laughs> you sent him a letter in like old timey speak saying like a creature what would grip with its tail. <laughs> I want to point out when Blue put this in the show notes for the day, he spelled grip and tail with Y's, and I appreciate that detail. Thank you. <laughs> detail here said with a Y as well. Um, yeah, but so we're gonna make so I'm gonna make another Yoshi's Island callback. This guy, I mentioned that like I there's, yeah, there's a lot of Yoshi's yeah. Island going on in this generation for some reason. I feel like the Pokemon generations definitely. We're I keep previewing the fact that I know there's a generation coming up that feels like the found item generation. Um, but this one definitely yeah, feels counts. like this definitely feels like a little bit more of the SNES callback generation, where it's mm -hmm. like I mentioned in our starters episode, these felt like Mega Man villains, and then now we're at the stage where it's like okay yoshi's island two in a row mm -hmm. well technically four in a row yeah i um, wish that i had a theory for this other than just like this was gen 2 and they knew that they had the concept sold so they could get a little mm -hmm. weirder yeah i think they were like, just sticking hewing very yeah. closely with an expanding nature yeah i mean like uh contrast this monkey with Mankey and primate from gen 1 which are like which intense looking yeah, well, mm -hmm. but they're straight up, like, you can look at them and go, like, yeah, that's a monkey. Sure. Versus so I guess those where it's like, this one is a monkey, mm -hmm. but it's got a tail that's a hand. Yeah. I mean, those guys end up being, like, angry baboons mm -hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. And then this guy ends up being the Marcel from Friends. Yeah. A great show that definitely inspired a lot of other great Friends comedies. <laughs> right, Michael? You mean Living Single? Exactly. Yeah. No, Living Single definitely inspired Friends. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Did you see that David Schwimmer? Inspired is a... 
he wants inspired to do a is a uh, which is oh, just living single. and literally yeah. everybody came out and called <laughs> him out and was like that already got made it was yeah. a living single it was on before yeah, your show um, Eric Alexander? God, why am I blanking on this? Maxine Shaw, who is one of the greatest sitcom characters of all time, uh, very much like a rare example of not just a uh, like the wacky neighbor who is not just a woman, but also a woman of color. Uh, I'm completely blanking on her name. I'm so uh, annoyed with myself that I'm blanking on Eric Alexander. I was right. Good. Uh, she was the one who pointed out when Schwimmer had that comment in the interview about wanting a black friend. She was like, "You mean Living Single, the <laughs> show I was on before your show existed?" I also like that the David Schwimmer's idea of like allyship is like, "I my character gets to fuck a black girl." <laughs> it's like it's kind of weird. There is a wonderful YouTube video which is a list of all the black people who appeared on Friends. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a song and it works sure. very well. Like Seinfeld might have had more, right? Nope. Uh, no, they literally, there's like a, I'll link to this in the show notes, but there's a video on YouTube of like every person of color that appeared on Seinfeld. I really? Think, I haven't seen that one yet. It's literally like a minute long. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Curb is better about it. We got Leon. But like oh, they actually made a whole, pl- like Seinfeld, <laughs> we talked about this on the shout out to friend of the show and past co-host Alex Kresswick. We talked about this on Kresswick's episode where, fr- where Seinfeld uh, had a weirdly self-aware episode that was centered around the fact that George learned that he had know people of color as friends yeah sounds familiar. and tried to shoehorn his way into being yes. friends with those people <laughs> that he once showed up to to uh-huh. watch breakfast at tiffany's yeah, yeah well, I, also, I, remember that. I also think about uh when they're at the deli and jerry's gonna get a black and white cookie and there's a random black boy mm-hmm. black boy boy definitely uh, an older black, man yeah an older <laughs> black man who he sees jerry getting a black and white cookie mm-hmm. jerry sees that he sees the uh this and they both just give each other a nod just like <laughs> well, because like he had yeah. been giving this whole speech about like the cookie is unity. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like Seinfeld was a little bit more aware of how white their New York was, whereas uh, Friends, which potentially did not have 9/11 exist in their universe, I'm just gonna throw that out for mm-hmm. you to explore on the internet later. Uh, <laughs> they like were less born. aware. <laughs> 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 yes. They were less aware of their whiteness. Yeah, I will sure. say this though that the black and white co- the n- black and white cookie is a quintessentially New York delicatessen dessert. Oh yeah, sure. I don't see them as often out here in California now that I think about I don't it. I've ever seen one. But Cantor's has really them. Okay. Cantor's has them, and occasionally, like these are just the places I've been to where yeah. I've seen them. Uh, Palermo and Los Feliz occasionally has like wrapped black and white. So cookies. it's like a Jewish deli specific thing. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, sure. I associate them with like really Jewish delis and delicatessen. Okay. But yeah, Cantor's has a black and white cookie for sure. sure. Yeah. And like Jewish bakeries and stuff like that. Like I'm thinking mm. of like a Jewish-owned bakery chain, Hot and Crusty, which is mainly local to New York. Um, and I feel like H and no H and H bagels did not. Yeah, Hot and Crusty is a uh, bakery chain in New York. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. it's uh, like the In and Out of New York, except for just <laughs> breads and challah. Huh. That sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that like I came out to LA knowing more about like Jewish cuisine just because I grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan than uh-huh. like I do about most other cuisines. <laughs> No, that makes never sense. had Korean barbecue before I came out here. Really? Had never had had never had like actual cuisine ramen. Sure. Huh. Um, that must be blowing up more now, right? I mean, if New you York? trust the New York Times, they just discovered boba a year ago. So really? Yeah. You're supposed to eat the things in it. <laughs> yeah, I came out to LA back in 2005 for college, and mm-hmm. so like I feel like that was right at the turning point of like when internet connectivity was starting to spread like food culture more sure. rapidly. Uh-huh. And so I feel like that has spread, like that has diversified, especially city cuisine, where mm. people are like, "Oh, we could open a ramen place here. Sure. Why the hell not?" Yeah. Um, is Asian fusion like not a big thing in New York though? 
mainly no, it's mainly just Sichuan Chinese. And really? so that's the other thing is that like I mainly was exposed to Sichuan Chinese, so I'm used to a much spi spicier Chinese cuisine. Mm -hmm. So like I think most of the Chinese cuisine out here is Cantonese, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Mm -hmm. Or Hunan. Like I yeah, so it's like a very different flavor palette that I'm not used to. That mm -hmm. like the first time I went out for dim sum out here, I was just like, why does this chicken not taste the way I expect it to? Huh. <laughs> Um, it's weird that Asian fusion isn't as big in New York. Yeah. I would think that fusion would be like not a place place you get like huge. Yeah, there was like an interesting article written about this a few years ago, where it's like where it, that said LA had supplanted New York as the innovative premier food culture. I can see that. Yeah. Like some years ago, and I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think New oh, York yeah. is starting to catch back up. Sure. Um, but I mean, granted, bear in mind that when I think Michael, I've told this story. To you. Michael, darling, I've told this story to you a bunch of times. Um, <laughs> When I first came out to college here, I had never realized that chili cheese fries were a real and actual thing. Because really? That is, that is not a New York thing. Oh, yeah. You thought huh. it was a gag when someone suggested getting chili cheese fries. Yeah. The first time I'd ever seen it in a TV show, Saved by the Bell, when they would mention it on Saved by the Bell, I thought it was just the kind of thing that like a TV studio exec would come up with. It was like, what's something unhealthy and gross that kids will eat? So wait, what, New York's got like what disco fries, which is cheese fries, right? They just not have the chili on it? No, we just eat our fries with ketchup. But yeah. I've heard of disco fries. Yeah. No, and we dip them in, like, milkshakes at diners. Like, I mean, we're yeah, we do that out here. We're responsible for, like, I feel like I disco feel like fries are, like, an East Coast thing also. I'm going to look at I've never heard of that now. term. Okay. I've heard but, of it. Maybe it's a West Coast thing that we invented to make fun of the East Coast. Maybe. But, I mean, like, the first time a friend ever suggested, like, casually, like, oh, why don't we go out for chili cheese fries? I'm in the mood for chili cheese fries. Mm -hmm. When I was out here, I rolled my eyes and said, yeah, let's get pizza milkshakes while we're at it. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is from a website called Parsnips and Pastries. I don't know how accurate it is, but it's called Jersey Diner Style Disco Fries. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, so it's, yeah, it should have yeah, come up. It's kind of like the Jersey version of Canada's poutine. Yeah. Disco fries are simple, simply gravy and cheese fries. Mm -hmm. So well, not no. chili cheese fries, obviously, but it's like it sounds a little close. bit more like a variation on poutine. I'd call that. Oh, close I mean, poutine. yeah, like yeah. it straight up says it's the Jersey version of yeah. poutine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the fact that we're talking about fries shows <laughs> that we really don't have much to say about apom. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a monkey. It's a cute looking animal. Yeah. They use it really well in Detective Pikachu, oh, which we'll yeah. get to, which I guess we can get to in the next section. But they I'll like just push chase us in. Uh, I mean, uh, Justice Smith, right? Yeah, yep. and they're like. Because they're hopped up on R, they're That's terrifying. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which weirdly worked. Yeah. So this yeah. is the first time we have a uh, we have an easy in yeah. and kind of our job done for us in terms of figuring out what the Pokemon would be doing in our world. Welcome mm -hmm. to Mon's world. <laughs> a celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my world. So, Michael Darling, please start us off. A palm shiny is pink. Needed to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the one I've got is that Skip Bloom, according to some of the Pokedex entries, is apparently used as a thermometer in the universe. Huh. Uh, huh. Namely because its flower blossoms at 64 degrees Fahrenheit, mm. and how much it blooms depends on how hot it is. And as we discussed earlier, apparently there is a like value system, I guess. It's, uh, value system implies like virtue rather than cost and money. Mm. Uh, but there is a... I guess I have to stick with value. Yeah, there is value placed on the greenness and the size of Pseudo Wudo's bulbs. Hmm. So, as I said, maybe there are Pokemon auctions. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I kind of picture the bulbs being somewhat of like a gemstone type of like mineral hmm. thing. 
that like maybe they're able to produce and then grow. Which so maybe there is that KG like KG being on the Celtics, whose color yeah. is green, mm-hmm. he would definitely <laughs> be into it in Pokemon and Gems. Yeah, maybe there's like a particular shade of green pseudo Wudo that he's really into. Like it's a deeper green. Sure. Um, <laughs> there is a there's a gem Pokemon that's a mythic type, and I just need to find out who it is, what the name is, because that would totally be an uncut gems Pokemon. Edition. Yeah. I mean, the main thing I love for pseudo Wudo is we've already covered yeah. in the pseudo Wudo section, which is like I love thinking that every old person in our yeah. world has a companion pseudo that they sure. go and do tight with. I think there's like with. definitely like a pseudo wudo park that like the old people go and they hang out and they like yeah. chat. And, and they, they have talk, like little pseudo wudo meetups yeah. that they use Facebook to organize. Yeah. And they're like, oh God, it's so sweet it's and whole, so beautiful. It's a whole like elderly culture. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I right. think that'd be like, pro- I'd probably have the same take on pseudo wudo as far as like yeah. what they're doing in our world. Diancie is this mythic Pokemon that we'll mm-hmm. get to in a few generations mm-hmm. that is clearly a gem. That is not fully taken out of the rock. Mm-hmm. It is a... It's literally the jewel Pokemon. It is rock slash fairy. Hmm. And yeah, no question. That's what Howard has in Uncut Gems. Yeah. There you go. Version. <laughs> I think it's what he gives to his girlfriend in Uncut Gems. <laughs> and he has like a Meowth that he kind of walks around with every <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Meowth is actually... For, that's, that's Howard. That is Howard, yeah. Oh, there you God. go. Uh, what do you get when you put... A, three leftists on a podcast you talk about uncut gems <laughs> it is like somehow it's become like the leftist film <laughs> whoa what are you talking about i am a registered republican sir <laughs> and how many times have you voted for a republican i have literally never i actually was a registered republican really? up until eight years ago and i have never once voted for a republican <laughs> <laughs> wait why were you a registered republican because i just wanted to be able to fuck with their primaries <laughs> <laughs> that's fair Kids, take notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you really want to fuck the establishment. So, uh, Blue Chow, uh, Mon's World, where are you putting these Pokemon? How are they being used in the real I world? I think we were just talking about how like a, we'd have like an old like old people's park that like the pseudo Woodos yeah. would go visit. Yeah. yeah, for Apom, I think the Detective Pikachu movie nailed it. Like yeah. they would just be the pigeons of our yeah. world. Um, Besides all the pidgeys that we have, yeah. Sure. But I do think uh, they'd be more like rats then, right? Or Ratatas, yeah. Like, I love that there's a monkey that would be a common street pest. Yeah. That's good to me. I think yeah. it's true. I mean, because that is, that. but there are monkeys that are actual pests in India. Like, have you seen those videos of, like, the pe- like warning people, like, oh, when you're on vacation, like, these monkeys are oh, addicted yeah. Oh, yeah. to drinking yeah. tourist sure. leftover booze. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be Apom, little sure. drunk, oh, hand-tailed yeah. monkey. Um, <laughs> but as for the plant Pokemon today, the Hoppip line, I think that they would probably be, I feel like that body typing, especially if they're like made of plant material, makes them highly useful for like pulping and mm. other like refuse. So I think they would actually just be farmed for uh, sure. usefulness of like that particular mm. body composition. Oh yeah. Which will come back, which I, we'll come back to bear in my Mon Appetit. But uh, yeah, if we're good on Mon's world, any other thoughts? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. Well, this is uh, this is actually becoming my favorite section. <laughs> Maybe supplanting Mon Appetit, but what? Welcome to Mon Mon. So this is the section where we talk about the Pokemon we've discussed today, and one change we would make to design, type, adding an extra stage to the evolution. Um, but, you know, what would you change to improve these Pokemon? So, Chow, we like to start with our guest on this one. I feel like Sudowoodo, like, should be taller. It's, like, weird that it's not <laughs> tall. Yeah. Sudowoodo should be, like, 10 feet tall. 
I agree. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like it's that. It's like a full, like, it's something you'd see in the forest. You know, like, if you ran into it, it would, like, hurt you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they have this weird kind of, like, range on Pokemon height. We'll mm-hmm. probably get out of that eventually. But for now, up until for 255 Pokemon, a full quarter of the Pokedex, mm-hmm. we're dealing with a kind of uh, one to six foot range. I imagine being, like, Ent-sized, right? Yeah. That makes more sense to me. I feel like we're going to get to, uh, oh, I'm blanking on its name, but there's Trevenant, I think? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a ghost tree that comes up in Gen 5 or 6, I'm lying now. Uh, which, yeah, that one should definitely be Treebeard size. I think it's just weird, like, this one's supposed to be an obstacle that people are having trouble with, mm-hmm. and it's just four feet tall. Yeah. That's you weird to me. step over it. Well, since you mentioned Ghost Get Tree. Get a ladder. Yeah. Since you mentioned Ghost Tree, darling, I'm going to jump in with my Mon Mod, which is that I wanted Pseudo-Wudo to have an evolution to a Ghost Tree, because let's take Petrified Wood, Dead Wood, and oh, then take it to good. the next logical step and name it Budo-Wudo, which yeah. I'm sure whatever Ghost Tree you're talking about does not have a better name than Budo-Wudo. <laughs> oh, that's good. No law at all in Deadwood. Uh, yeah, uh, for me, I feel like something that we hinted at in the episode, that Pseudo-Wudo, because of its re- uh, green, big, like kind of boxing glovey balls, it should be fighting type. So mm-hmm. let's say rock fighting, because we've only got one of those uh, in the entire Pokedex, uh, which is Trachyon, who we mm-hmm. don't see until Gen 5. So yeah. So, yeah. so I have a question. Do we Why have a ghost park fighting? Do you How know of any ghost rock be? types? Uh, ghost rock? I want to say yes. Now I have to look. Because I'm just thinking of like... Because you mentioned that there's a ghost tree later on. I yeah. that's ghost grass. Yes. Or but, grass ghost. One of those. But yeah, um, so... Ghost type. So ghost okay, rock on. would be a unique type for Buddha Wudo to be. Um, well, I need to see if there are any... Uh, but I wonder if he becomes existing. a ghost. Does he become a ghost of what he was in life as mm, a living tree? Sure. Yeah. And then also, if he's a petrified tree that th- thus makes him rock, do pseudo- how are Pseudo-Wudo born? Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't... Like, I know there's the whole egg and breeding thing, but I feel like the mechanic should then be... No, any tree can die. Yeah. And, beca- and like, over enough time mm-hmm. through, like, petrification become a Pseudo-Wudo. Sure. It just becomes like a Miyazaki it just like Yeah, it goes from like slowly, one day it's eyes open, and then one day it's able to pull itself out as a petrified tree and walk away. God, I love the fact that you referenced Miyazaki. So here's something interesting. There are six ground slash ghost Pokemon or ghost slash ground. I do not see any ghost slash rock. So yeah, this would be a unique t- Pokemon, uh, folks, I know you're listening. There's your, there's a free idea, Budo Wudo for mm-hmm. Gen Nine. Um, so I recently was hanging out uh, with a friend and asked, "What is your favorite Miyazaki film, or even just your top two, top three? Mm-hmm. And she responded with, "That is a rude question to spring <laughs> on somebody without any kind of warning." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone's got their like top two rates. I mean, yeah, but yeah, I, th- I think like phrasing it immediately is like, "What's your favorite?" Period. Sure, sure. Yeah. That was what got called rude. Sure. That's good. That's so good. I am going to be rude and spring it on you guys since mm. you made the reference. Sure. Um, but I'll, I'll give you the leeway of top two. I mean, I, Totoro is like the first one I ever saw. Like, I still find like I cry every time I watch it. That's my favorite. I think that's a good And I, I think it's it's really saying something that like a movie, even when you know it's beats and stuff like that, mm-hmm. still hits you to that yeah. level. It's also the only one I've seen in theaters. I've seen it like twice now in theaters. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. 
What do you do? You want to give an honorable mention to your second favorite? Uh, Porco Rosso, I think, just like rules. I love oh, I remember. I, I think like last time you had you on the show, you mentioned that you hadn't seen Porco Rosso, mm. and now you've cr- corrected that. Yes. And it shot up to your. I went through like place. a whole like Miyazaki. Like I just had to watch through all of them. And, like mm-hmm. Porco Rosso rules. Yep. Yeah. Mr. Darling. Okay. Well, here's the funny thing about me. I saw Totoro as a child, and I didn't get it. Hmm. Oh. Poor yeah, child. I know, and I. So that's like, like I'm not. <laughs> I'm aware of Studio Ghibli. I'm aware. I'm aware of Miyazaki. I'm aware of all the tropes, but I've never really seen. Oh, interesting. Most of his work. Wow, I've got almost four old. Blu-ray discs yeah. on my shelf. I'm going to make you leave here with. <laughs> so yeah. Shout so out to Meg. Is, you're going to have a date night of just marathoning these movies, and you're going to love me for it. <laughs> yeah. So, home, uh, yeah. Miyazaki like, math. I'm going to have to talk to. I'm going to have to talk to my brother about this because we both watched Totoro together, and I think mm. we both had that same reaction, which is like. We don't get it. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, know. I don't remember what age it was, but you know. do you, uh, children obviously like these movies, right? It's yeah, yeah. I, I mostly so. have seen them all like as an adult. I think they do it on a very. I think Miyazaki does exactly what classic Disney did, which is that it's extremely accessible to children mm-hmm. in terms of larger themes sure. and plot and humor, mm-hmm. and just like, hey, there's all this great visual humor to it, like. Mm-hmm. And I'll shout out my, I'm not willing to say whether it's my top one or my honorable mention, but Howl's Moving Castle. Like, mm. there's a lot to enjoy about, yeah, like, like you know, the, uh, about the flame and, like, mm. the visual humor of the flame starving yeah. and stifling and, like, the old woman, ki- like, cleaning up the castle and everything like that. Mm. Um, the other one for me, the other big one for me is Princess Mononoke. Mm. Um, so those are my two. Sure. I'm going to give Howl's Moving Castle the edge just because sure. of the music in it. Yeah. Um, the merry-go-round of life is just such a perfect song. I will link to the song yeah. in the show notes. That's how much I love it. The with main my girl's like arc too. Like uh, that opening where she just like enjoys being old. Like I find it so <laughs> moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing that I love about the studio Ghibli movies is that they do not try, they do not think that everything has to be fixed by the end of the movie. No. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Like Howl's Moving Castle. Like, yeah, she figures out how to become young again, love herself and be herself and everything like that. But the war is still going on, all yeah. this sort of thing. Um, Princess Mononoke, there's still the industrial age being yeah. on set, but nature has for a time found a way to like at least ease that pact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Spirited Away, same thing. Mm-hmm. There's still a bunch of shit going on, yeah. but like she just manages to save her parents who mm-hmm. like became pigs. Yeah. Spoilers for a 15-year-old movie. <laughs> um, also, like, that's the I had my ears covered too. the entire time, so I hadn't heard nothing of that. I'd say that these. Mo- I'd say that like even spoiling the ending of these movies, the they're, ending becomes yeah. such a like little just. They're very much like experiential. They're not like about huh. the plot really. You're experiencing yeah. these films. Okay. And just like hmm. kind of letting it wash over you. Yeah, the things that stick with you are the journey to that mm-hmm. end okay. like the Definitely. ending you never walk away like i honestly have to think back and consciously draw up what is the ending of like Howl's moving castle what is the ending of spirited away but there are so many moments in spirited mm-hmm. away Howl's moving castle princess mononoke that just like will come to me experientially and like- you know what the ending of this podcast is right <laughs> oh i do it's a segment called mon appetit <laughs> like my personal like my medicine Okay, uh, Michael Darling, would you like to start us off with what you're going to eat? Uh, yeah. Much like I... the glutton demon in Spirited Away. 
I don't understand that reference. <laughs> you will. You will. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're going to go down south by the bayou and fry us up some polytoed legs and serve uh. it with a garlic chili sauce. Okay. Uh, Mr. Chow, would you like to go next? That's actually like kind of what I was going to do also. Hey, you can have it too. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm into like a Cajun-style like polytoed legs. Okay. Just because I, I saw the frog legs coming, and I decided <laughs> to diversify it a little bit. Thank um, you. And I'm going to bend the rules for being able to diversify it. But sure. here's, a, here's an anime that I've referenced multiple times on the show, Food Wars. So I learned of this meal from Food Wars and then sought it out and tasted it, and it is fantastic. It's traditionally made with meat, but there are vegetarian versions of it, mm-hmm. uh, which is a terrine. Um, where you actually bake and layer diced meats, diced vegetables, pureed vegetables, and things like that into a la- into like a cake. And so with the veg with the vegetarian version, you just get like this sort of like beautiful pastel like bar like colored bars. So I was just thinking, what if we took like the three different colors of the vegetable living Ooh. vegetables of the hoppip line mm. and pureed their fluffy, lightly textured oh, bodies. Yeah. Ooh. And made a hoppip family terrine. <laughs> Wrap it in some spinach and lettuce and... Ooh. Oh, baby. I'm thinking, kind of on the same page, I was thinking of the ratatouille from Ratatouille. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That rainbow ratatouille. Yeah. Yeah. I can also imagine, like, a dumpling being made out of those creatures. <laughs> it's 7.30. We're hungry. I mean, <laughs> terrines are one of the lesser seen cuisine items like i think you have to go to like really hardcore french restaurants to Mm. get them like they're not the kind of thing you see everywhere isn't there a french restaurant locally like a high class french restaurant called terrine that wouldn't surprise me yeah Yeah. but yeah if you guys haven't checked out food wars check it out it was used into great effect the terrine recipe is used to great effect in a very high stakes episode um i love that show i think it's just a great use of of like food wars is a great take it's like basically like it it is at one side like very much like One Punch Man. It's mm. very much like a satire of so many anime tropes. Okay. I want to point out you did that thing that has become consistent on the pod. <laughs> like spider Where you say it like a old was, Jewish man. Yeah. <laughs> I, was I, will absolu- so. I will absolutely say it that way. It's One Punch Man, Spider-Man. Superman. Batman. <laughs> Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually was like created by like two like uh, like Jewish socialists, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about social. I mean. Early Superman is definitely a socialist, sure. but yeah, like they're one of them was Canadian. Okay. Yeah, but they definitely created this kind of Christ figure who was a immigrant it's and like a has, working class. Yeah, like, like. yeah. But yeah, um, I would say Food Wars like is great because like they take anime tropes and reapply them in like the sense of like an extremely high stakes culinary school, mm-hmm. but they also apply like real food science to it. Mm. Um, so it's just extremely entertaining if you at all like talking about food. Yeah. Um. But that is, but the terrine is in the first season, so give it a try. It's a also, lot of fun. Also, like nothing looks better than anime food. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, nothing looks better than anime food except for Studio Ghibli food. Sure. Like a I, subset of anime, anime, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that's that's why I give it. But I do want to differentiate that sure. for whatever reason, Studio Ghibli food, while still following in that, <laughs> it's its own little niche. That other anime like food that scene has is not. Like, that away, like, I'd eat that food, I'd turn to that pig. I wish I could describe <laughs> the look on Blue's face as he describes Studio Ghibli food. Like, yeah. he kind of had a golem my precious look going on. Yeah, he actually, like, put his on. hands up. Like. Yeah! <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm thinking, I literally have a mental image of, like, the gif of, like, Howl's Moving Castle when she makes breakfast yeah. for the first time and is, like, shoveling bacon around on the cast iron yeah. pot. 
Um, <laughs> darling, you are about to be so blessed by all the Blu-rays that oh I'm my. about to lend you. Um, Anyhow, I think, uh, yeah, this train is pulling into the station. So we could go on anime food for a while, or we could just say uh, this is about it. Chow, do you have anything to plug? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm uh, at Sriracha Chow. That's uh, at uh, S-R-I-R-A-C-H-A-C-H-A-U. I do like cartoons. I'll usually pin whatever my latest thing is. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on there. Woo! Okay, Mr. Darling, what have you got going on? Um, I assume it's going to be up by the time that this episode drops, but I should have a story coming up on the website Laughing Place about the most important trees of Disneyland. Yeah, I don't have anything new to plug. Uh... Check out my novels on Amazon.com. Check out my personal writing website, OptionalIrony.com. I'll probably be tracking some misadventures from my Japan trip on there. But otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter at Y, W-H-Y underscore Baloo, B-A-L-L-O. Uh, follow the Mon Men Twitter at Mon Men Pod and on Facebook. Woo! And uh, yeah, if you want to, if nothing else, you'll get super cute pictures of Cordelia mm. um, on my Twitter and my Instagram. But that's about it. So, Mr. Chow. Uh, thank you, thank you so here. much for having me on. Dude, thanks for coming back on. Yeah. I literally, between uh, between cuts here, said that Chow is my favorite person. I want to say that to <laughs> all of you. So you all should follow him. Um, you said it every week. I, because Chow is my favorite person. <laughs> <laughs> I meant you said that about every guest. but okay. <laughs> I said that every guest is great. But here, listeners, wow. you, you realize that's a, that's that this is my favorite. That's the Studio Ghibli differentiation. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Ghibli to everyone else's regular uh, anime food. <laughs> I'm, I'm, at, this point, I'm a, at this point, I've been a DM for three whole months. I'm used to knowing how to play little riddle games with my <laughs> players. So, uh, so once again, as always, I have been Yanata Blue. Konnichiwa, bitches. Thanks for being here.